It's time for JT the Brick. Marcheseau scores! Jonathan Marcheseau wins it in overtime with 17 seconds to go! What is going on? I don't understand this. This is supposed to be a Stanley Cup product, period, all the time that we're out there. And I know there's injuries, and I know you're not going to be at 100% full strength. I get all that, but come on. JT the Brick. Out for Stone, here he comes, working left side, he shoots, he scores! Mark Stone, he wins it in overtime! This is supposed to be a one seed, two seed at its worst. Really disappointing to see the play of the Vegas Golden Knights, who I pulled for to win. Really disappointed, they need to wake up. And now, here's JT the Brick. Yeah, JT, back with you, hour number two of the show, brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Yeah, when I look over at my wife and we're out to dinner... She gets a Remy Martin sidecar now because she loves it so much. Remy Martin, when I'm talking X's and O's, it's with a Remy Martin cocktail in my hand. Remy Martin, we appreciate their support. Our proud partner here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. In one hour from now, Devontae Adams gets introduced in Henderson. I wish I could get over there. I'm hosting the show here in studio at the top of Flamingo or near the top of Flamingo. By the time I'd get there, I'd be a little late. I believe Q's there, or if Q is, Vinny Bonsignor will be there. Everybody will be there, Raider Nation Radio. I think this is a banner day. It's an important day in Raider history. Let me tell you why. Because it's the biggest signing in the history of Vegas. In the history of Vegas, when it comes to dollar per dollar. And we'll wait on the Derek Carr extension. The T-shirt that I bought says, I don't talk about Derek's money. But I can talk about Devontae's money because I can see it. And I know what he's getting here. Also, he spurned the Green Bay Packers. And he decided not to stay in Green Bay or make it difficult on Green Bay and stay there. It's a big part of this story. The recruiting process consisting of what I would assume would be Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, and Derek Carr had a lot to do with Devontae wanting to come here. And Green Bay still could have kept him if they wanted to by just playing hardball. Green Bay got what they wanted in return, according to Peter King. They have the draft equity to go get a new star wide receiver, and I think they might be able to. I don't know who it's going to be, but he's not going to be bleeping Devontae Adams, who, who is perfect with Aaron Rodgers. So the fact that they got him is amazing. In all of my years of doing this, I've never seen a quarterback carousel like this, nor will I ever see one again, because it won't involve Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. So the next quarterback carousel that happens, it's not going to be involved with Aaron Rodgers and Brady. So you have two of the greatest of all time involved in this offseason. Aaron Rodgers signed one of the richest contracts ever, richest ever for quarterback. Tom Brady decided to come out of retirement. That won't happen four years from now. So when there's quarterbacks moving, Justin Fields, or Trevor Lawrence. It's not going to be anywhere near what we're living with today with Brady and Rodgers. And then Deshaun Watson getting the most guaranteed money of all time in $230 million. Baker Mayfield's out on the street. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have an offer yet. I mean, you look at everything that we're talking about, everybody. This is a special time in the history of the NFL offseason. And that's what the NFL does. They're fantastic with the offseason. And we're building up to the draft. And we're building up to a draft that the Raiders probably won't have the impact that they could have at the top of the draft because they traded it away, but that's okay. Devontae Adams, if you ask every Raider fan who's going to be walking, you're going to be allowed to be on the strip drinking beverages, adult beverages. How cool is that? 
So you can wear your Raider Devontae Adams jersey. They don't have a pick. But you could be sitting there having a Modelo right outside there going, oh, my God, it's the draft. We don't have a pick. But I got Devontae Adams. And I think that'll get everybody fired up because you got a better player than you could ever imagine in the draft. We'll find out what he has to say at the top of the hour. The one reason I'm listening is I want to hear about the recruiting of him coming here. But most importantly, I want to hear what he has to say about Aaron Rodgers. I'm looking at it as a national perspective. There's going to be national insiders there. They're going to raise their hand and go, what happened with Aaron Rodgers? He got all the money. They They claimed that you were going to get as much money as you got from the Raiders. Why didn't you stay with Aaron? That's going to make news. That's going to make news because Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers cares about his answer because Aaron Rodgers is a guy who has bad relationships in his life, from his family to his brother to all the fiancés that he breaks up with. Devontae Adams broke up with him. High-profile crap here, man. High-profile breakup. Devontae Adams said, me and you could be together. We can get a gold jacket together. And he decided, no, I want to be with Derek Carr. Ooh. Ooh. Aaron Rodgers is not going to be enjoying that yoga cleanse on the side of that rainforest in my, uh, in Maui. And I want to hear what he has to say. So that's coming up in less than an hour, which is going to be great. Matt Ryan took a photo with the jersey. He's going to the Colts. That's another Raider problem. It is. He's a hell of a player. They're not going and getting some backup, Jacoby Brissett. All right? So he's going to be going up against the AFC playoff picture. Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr. I mean, the list. Matt Jones is pretty good in New England, Bobby's team. All of the quarter, Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick overall. And then Deshaun Watson, I would have liked to have seen him go to Carolina or Atlanta. He pops into the AFC with Cleveland. Who am I forgetting here? Yeah, Josh Allen. Thank you, Bob. If, if I had to pick the Super Bowl champ today, I'd pick Buffalo. But now I get to choose for one of the only times ever. The one time I have funny story. Well, not funny for me because the one time I picked the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. Only time in my career was when Jack Del Rio took them to 12-4. and four. Derek got injured the following year. I picked him to win the Super Bowl. How'd that work out? But now I think this is one of the best Raider rosters I've seen. If they can just button it up on the back end. All the buttons have been buttoned except maybe one or two. Stephon Gilmore, Honey Badger. We would talk about who could be that last piece because the market has dropped. So for who's ever left out here, and I'll go to NFL.com in a minute and give you the list of top available free agents, the Raiders were able to get Chandler Jones, and they were able to trade for a great player in Devontae Adams. If you ask me if that was my Christmas tree, and the only two things under my Christmas tree were that, I would have took that all day long. So I'm excited. I'm calling this today Devontae Adams Day. I am giving him the JT the Brick key to Las Vegas because I don't see the mayor or the governor around, so I'm going to do it myself. And I believe he deserves a great day today. Let's make him feel welcome as we start with Gangster Raider kicking off the final hour of the show. How are you? Hey, what's up, JT? I want to tell Devontae, welcome to the notorious, also glorious Raider Nation and we building a whole new chapter. We're going to win three more Super Bowls, and he's the um, missing piece that we need at wide receiver, and I'm glad he's here. So I'm, I'm, I told you I was more excited about the GM hiring mm-hmm. than the head coach hiring, and, and, and this is um, reasons like this is reasons why. 
because he's a professional. He's not a rookie. I know he knew what he was doing. And back to you and um, what you said about LeBron um, meeting Jordan. I don't think he'll ever pass Jordan because you play the game to win championships. And Jordan was undefeated in um, NBA championships. Yeah, but what about the years he didn't? What about the years he didn't make the championship? Let me finish. Let me finish. Well, Let know. me finish. What about LeBron? He don't win the ten. And only won four. He'd almost lost twice as many he's won. Yeah, so but he won against better teams. He went up against the Warriors. The Warriors were a dynasty. He beat no, the Warriors. No, he could have won all three of those if he'd have played right. And I'll break that down to you at a later date. But he should have won all three of those on series against the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's his shortcomings is why they didn't win. But I'll point that out later. But he's lost almost twice as many as he's won. That's a loser. You got a losing record in the finals. And Jordan, his playoff average went up. In the playoffs, and what, and all, you know. So you believe? So you believe if Jordan doesn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which happened a lot, and LeBron makes it to the NBA Finals and loses, well, how did he get the six? How did he get the six then? So he, he had he to win the Eastern Conference Finals, right? No, he did, but the ones he didn't, the ones he didn't win, or the ones that he didn't even get there, that you're not counting. You're just saying, well, yeah, well, you don't count the. If you don't get there, you don't count. Look at all the Super Bowls the Raiders haven't won. Are you counting those? If the Raiders win an AFC championship game and lose the Super Bowl, isn't that better winning the AFC championship than not making the AFC playoffs? Yeah, but we lost, we did that in 2002 when we lost to Tampa Bay. So okay. we don't have that Super Bowl. That's a loss. That's what I'm saying. Y'all keep giving LeBron these passes when he's a loser. You play the game and do all these well, points you think, and you think being a loser, to win the game, But right? you think being a loser is getting to the NBA Finals and getting beat by a better team. Now, when he lost to Dirk, I'll give you credit for that. He should have beat Dirk that year. But, I mean... You what know, about you lose... when he lost to San Antonio? San Antonio was a dynasty. Days. That's a dynasty. What's one? Jerry West won one, and he yeah. lost to the Celtic dynasty. Did we make him... And he's a loser, too. Okay. Y'all worship losers for some reason. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Jerry West is a loser. Did he actually say Jerry West is a loser? So he did, right? So you get to the NBA Finals and you're a loser. Wow. Didn't know that. So what happens if you're in the minor leagues or AAA in baseball? Are you a loser because you didn't make it to the major leagues? What happens if you're Tim Tebow and you didn't win a Super Bowl ring? Are you a loser that you got a Heisman Trophy and two national championships? I mean, I respect his call. I had no problem with it, but he's acting like you get to the NBA Finals, Jordan doesn't, and you're a loser because you didn't win the NBA Finals. It's the entire body of work. It would have been great to talk to Gangster Raider the two years that Jordan was swinging and missing in Birmingham at curveballs if he was on sports radio back then and take that call. I wonder what he would have thought of Jordan when he was playing for Birmingham and he couldn't get out of the minor leagues. What would he have called them then? When the, when the uh, Bulls were playing without him, as he's swinging and missing on a bus, trying to be a baseball player, which he was a bust at. Would we call Jordan a loser? It's ridiculous. Big Al in San Francisco. How are you, Big Al? Well, JT, I normally in San Francisco, but I'm kind of on a road excursion through Philadelphia. Good for you. And now Miami, and we'll be with the Warriors tomorrow night. Um, so I am uh, not in San Francisco, but normally I am. Um, I was going to call in at Devontae Adams Day, and everybody has their different thing about Devontae Adams, and I figured I would share an experience I had uh, this past September with his team that, with 30 seconds, seven seconds left on the clock and no timeouts left, and down by, I think it was two points against uh, the 49ers. Uh, Devontae Adams caught two passes from the middle of the field from Aaron Rodgers and brought them to a, a field goal victory over San Francisco. I think that was week three of the season. 
and that was all Devontae Adams. I mean, yes, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. My point is, is that uh, the Raiders haven't seen a player like this at the wide receiver position since Jerry Rice, and then before that since our friend Cliff Branch. Mm-hmm. This guy can flat-out play. He is not Javon Walker. He is not Jordy Nelson. He is not uh, Jared Cook, former Packers, who uh, migrated their way out to the West Coast. This guy can flat-out play. And if they're able to get a wide out who, you know, who has some speed, I'd like to see them do it through the draft and not necessarily through uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams are going to have a really hard time stopping this team. Uh, you know, th- This team is between Jason's in the backfield, Renfro, and we all know the rest of the cast of characters. This is going to be the most, most potent team in, uh, you know, in, the, uh, you know, in the AFC West. And, yes, that includes Kansas City. But they got to get that speedster, and I don't want to see them spend the money on a, you know, on a, a, a guy who's had a nice career. I want them to go out and get a second-round draft that will be less expensive and a guy that can fly the field and they can't – and it forces other teams to have to go to cover two. Well, you forgot Randy Moss, Big Al. You forgot Randy Moss. He was a, he's one of the all-time greats. He came to the Raiders. I was on the sidelines when he laid down on the bench. He quit on the team. Raider Nation never lets him forget that. But you left out Moss, who is a much more accomplished player at the same age than Devontae. And Devontae has the opportunity to be in the category of Randy Moss. But Randy Moss was a terrible Raider in regards to wanting to play through a tough time in franchise history. I mean, I, I saw him quit on the team. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I saw him quit on the team, too. You're right. I just didn't think of him like that because he, you know, he was such a quitter for two years. And then he went, you know, you know, he had great years in Minnesota, quit on the Raiders, and then went had some very good years in New England. I just never thought of him as as a Raider, so it's my bad there. But you go back, this guy, this, you know, Devontae Adams is a stud, and yes. we haven't had you know, these guys don't come a dime a dozen. And if you have to trade up that many draft picks to be able to get him, it means that we're you know we're serious about competing now mm-hmm. and not in 2023 or 2024. We don't care about that. Thank you, my friend. Continued success on the road trip. Thanks for calling in on the road. You know, it was interesting. Fred Bolitnikoff joined us yesterday and talked about his struggles and Cliff's struggles when they started with the team, but then the team had patience for them to develop. Mr. Davis, Al Davis, had patience to see Cliff and Freddie before and Warren Wells and other individuals who struggled, and then they developed into all-star type players. You already got that with Devontae coming in. He has to live up to the potential. He has to. And Chandler Jones, I want to I want to focus on him for a second. He talked about being 32 years old. No player in the league has more sacks than him since 2012, and it's 2022. So that's nine, ten years where he's at the top of his game. The Raiders didn't bring in Chandler Jones to play the way he did in 2019. They need him to play at that level now. Max Crosby overachieved. Now he hasn't. This is what we expect from Max. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. What the Raiders need to do now under Dave Ziegler is find players in the third, fourth, fifth round who can develop into Pro Bowlers. The last regime tried hard. They did. I'm not knocking them, but a lot of the guys that they drafted the last couple of years, taking and putting away rugs and the tragedy. But Arnett, some of the players, Clee Farrell, they didn't live up to the ability of their draft pick, let alone exceed it. The Patriot way, which is now starting in Vegas, is 
do your job, and become a better player. And there's been good coaches here before for decades. These coaches coming in are now on the clock to make sure they develop the players that they wanted and they're putting their name on to become pro bowlers and really good players and players that you can count on. And I think that's what they're showing us these last couple of weeks, that they're swinging for big players, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones. But then they're filling in the rest of the painting. They're filling in the color scheme with players who are going to exceed what we expect. And I'm getting to learn the roster just like you. And I will learn the roster. But I, I want to learn about this guy at the top of the hour at Raiders.com on all the Raiders social media platforms and here on the flagship. Devontae is the star of the NFL today. 702-365-9200. Ron's in Modesto. Thanks for holding, Ron. Uh, hi. Uh, here, Ron from Modesto here. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to your show for about a couple of days now. Uh, became a Raider fan about a year ago when I started watching football. Um, and I mainly got on here because I'm, I'm, I don't like this LeBron slander that I'm hearing from all these people. I don't. I think they felt to realize how much of a great player he is. They're talking about him not passing up Jordan, but then if you think about it, Tom Brady is turning 45 this year, mm-hmm. and they didn't have him in the goal conversation until like after he was 35, and you know he started winning against the Seahawks and the Rams, and then the Buccaneers with the Chiefs. You know, he was in GOAT status until after age 35. So I, th- I think LeBron still has, like, a good five, ten years left. No, he doesn't, he doesn't not, have. Not ten, but maybe, maybe five. Yeah, I don't even think he has five left because it's basketball, more so in the wear and tear on his body. But let me repeat again. I don't think that LeBron James is better than Jordan. I don't think he'll catch Jordan. All I do is I try to balance the show out and say he's in consideration for that. For those who have shut the door on LeBron getting to Jordan, that's ridiculous. He's got three or four years left. So if he wins six or five, do you say that Bill Russell? Bill Russell has 11 titles. Jordan has six. Kareem has more titles, right? Then then you look at Kareem's accomplishments. We don't have to – all you need is one championship to be a champion. You don't need six. You don't need ten. You need one. You got one, you're a champion the rest of your life. You're introduced at every banquet, world champion. But we think we have to go 6-0. and Well, we had that. Montana went 4-0. Do we consider Montana better than Tom Brady because Tom Brady lost to Nick Foles and Eli Manning twice? No. It's about the entire body of work. Championships mean a lot. But stats are very important. Ernie Banks played for the Cubs. Ted Williams is my best example. Let me frame this. Ted Williams is the greatest hitter of all time. The second greatest hitter of all time, no debate, is Tony Gwynn. How many championships do they have combined? That would be none. And they're still considered the greatest hitters of all time. You don't have, you, if you play on the Padres or the Mariners or the Cubs in the 60s, 70s, you still could be the greatest in, 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 your, in your era. You have a bad GM, a bad owner, a bad coach. You still get a gold jacket because you're great. LeBron has got everything going for him. Championships, legacy, but he's got the stats over Jordan. And he's doing two things that Jordan could never do. Never do. Number one, Jordan got cut in high school. LeBron went from high school to the NBA. LeBron, uh, Jordan couldn't play out of high school. That's fact, not fiction. And then number two, Jordan couldn't play at this level the way LeBron is. That's easy to see. 
So you book in that, you book in that for LeBron, you're going to be talking about something really special. And I think he'll come up short of Jordan because of the mystique of Jordan going undefeated in the finals. That was brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. My wife's cousin was over last night. We watched college basketball recaps and shows, and we had Grimaldi's. They said, this is the best pizza I ever had. I said, I told you. It lived up to the hype. Jay Billis will join us next, the premier college basketball insider. Devontae Adams at the top of the hour, live from the Raiders facility in Henderson. You don't want to miss that. into the front court, top of the key. He's going to shoot a three, and it's no good. Lampkin offensive rebound back out with two seconds left. Ball three, no good. That's it. Arizona survives in overtime. 85-80 over TCU, and the top-seeded Wildcats are on to San Antonio and the Sweet 16. Westwood won on the call. Cannot believe Arizona won that game. TCU had them dead to rights. That would have blew up literally every bracket left. JT, back with you, courtesy of Sam and Ash. SamandAshInjuryLaw.com because you deserve what's right. 702-820-1234. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. Jay Billis is the premier college basketball analyst at ESPN, and he's kind enough to join us today. Jay, thank you so much. And let's begin. Where do you rank the setup with the upsets you've seen along the way? Big picture, how chaotic is this? Well, I mean, I think St. Peter's makes it seem like it was it was incredible, you know, it was unique, but we have seen 15s win before, and we've seen two of them uh, before St. Peter's reach the Sweet 16. They just haven't won from there before, and, and St. Peter's has a chance to do something that, that prior 15s haven't done. But but the truth is, when you, when you look at the field, it's, it's 13 major conference teams, Gonzaga, Houston out of the American and Houston is going into the big 12 and St. Peter's is really the only Cinderella. I, I just find it hard to call, you know, Michigan and Miami and teams like that, the, the, the double digit seeds that come from major conferences. I, I, I find it hard to call them Cinderella. And so it, it, in a way, once you reach the sweet 16, it's pretty similar year to year that you have between 12 and 14, major conference teams and then a couple of mid-majors but when the mid-majors are Gonzaga and then I don't call Houston a mid-major but um but when when Houston who went to the final four last year is one of the teams and they would have this would have been a no-brainer had they not lost two of their best players to injury middle of the season um it's kind of hard to find a Cinderella in this group honestly except for St. Peter's that's that's the thing that that's a little bit different about this year um, but but last year we had Oral Roberts. They they just had a couple of uh, you know great players on their team, and, and they wound up getting to the second weekend before they lost. Jay Billis joins us. Jay, what did you see with St. Peter's coming in, and what have you seen now? What's impressed you, the coach, down to the players, and the system that they run? How tough they're getting a lot of credit for being a tough team with players made up from New York and New Jersey. What jumps out at you on film, which is most impressive when they play? They're good defensively. Uh, they've played better than their season averages on on offense. Like they they've not been a good offensive team, 
Uh, I mean, hell, they lost 11 games coming into the season or coming into the tournament, excuse me. But they're good. Um, but look, I, I don't think I don't think this should be news to anybody. But but 15s don't beat beat twos unless the two helps, and Kentucky helped them, and uh, and played really poorly, and and I, I think St. Peter's played really well. And then if you were St. Peter's and you won that game, who would you rather play? You know, would you rather play a, a major conference seven seed or would you rather play mm-hmm. Murray State? You know, they, they got up here in Murray State because I, I, I think Murray State was probably looking at it going, we'd rather play St. Peter's than Kentucky. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I think both of them looked at it the same way. Um, but, the, the you know, the further you get along, uh, now they've got Purdue, I think it is, and, and that's going to be a, a unique challenge. They've, they've not played anybody like Zach Eady and, and, uh, and Travion Williams, but, but Travion Williams and Zach Eady have played the likes of St. Peter's. So it gets more difficult, but that doesn't take away from what they've done. It's been historic. But one of the, one of the interesting things to me about this whole thing is sort of the, when we get to – when people say – this is what the tournament is all about. There, there's no, first of all, there's no one thing that the tournament is all about. The tournament is a, is a mixed bag of wonderful things, but uh, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of, or I know there's a lot of schools out there that think they can use uh, winning a couple games to elevate their program and their school into something like Gonzaga. And the truth is that's one in, yeah, I mean, I don't even know one in a million is probably not enough. You know, think about the places that have gone to the, you know, gone deep in the tournament, whether it's uh, George Mason in 2006 with Jim Laranega. What did they turn that into? And Jim Laranega turned it into something. But when VCU went to the Final Four in 2011, what did they turn that into? And it really doesn't happen as as often as people think that that people capital you know schools capitalize on this thing. So it, it on one hand this tournament is about the first weekend is about a team like St. Peter's and all the buzzer beaters and the fun of it, and then the second weekend it becomes about who can win this thing. And and when you start talking about thirteen major conference teams and, and all that, it gets Zaga and Houston. Now we're talking about who can win this damn thing, and it's a totally different conversation and, and totally different feel, which maybe it should be. I mean, that that's the beauty of this thing. It's a national championship event that has some other aspects to it that are really cool. Jay Billis, kind enough to join us from ESPN. When you were in Cameron Indoor for Coach K's final home game, you saw the performance of North Carolina. Now we look at them against UCLA. Uh, they are the lower seed. Do you think they're playing better than UCLA at this time? Can, can you touch on the momentum that Carolina has now that they get some time off here in the Sweet 16 and match up with the Bruins? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that it's necessarily momentum or it's Carolina's just gotten better throughout the course of the year. Like the ACC is kind of an interesting case study in the way we view the game. So uh, there's no denying that the ACC teams – performed poorly overall like i'm not sure duke did or all that duke had a good non-conference schedule and, and played well against it beating gonzaga and all that stuff but but overall the league performed at a low level relative to what it usually does in non-conference and they dragged that into the conference season 
But that didn't mean that some of the top te- some of the better teams weren't continuing to improve. And by the time they got to the end of the season, they were very good. It was just you know when you're talking about seeding and selection, um, they had to, their whole body of work. And you know I had somebody earlier this year describe it to me kind of like a student in class. Like you you, you go into a class, and you don't know the subject early, and you wind up doing poorly on a couple of tests, but then you learn it, and at the end of the year you ace your finals. And, mm-hmm. and so you, you may have a grade that does, that reflects your early performance, but it doesn't reflect the fact you've learned the material by the end. And, and I thought it was a pretty good analogy, actually, at least it connected mm-hmm. with me. But, but Miami, Virginia Tech, I mean, even though Virginia Tech lost to Texas, and, uh, and North Carolina, um, you know, we, I think we expected Duke to be here, but um, you know, they proved that they're, they're very good right now. And then, and then the SEC teams that performed at a way higher level throughout the course of the season, a couple of more played as well. And, and, you know, Tennessee didn't, they were playing well, but didn't play well against Michigan. And, and Auburn was, that was the worst of Auburn that we saw against Miami. And that's a give credit to Miami for it. But how do we determine who the better league is? Are we just going to take the facile interpretation and say it's, it's the tournament, that's the be-all and end-all, end all, or is it the, the whole season? Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I thought I thought the ACC and North Carolina, like North Carolina can beat UCLA. They, they, they shoot the three really well. They've got Armando Baycott as a double-double machine. I mean, he's had the most double-doubles in the history of that program, which I think is, speaks well of him. And UCLA, I don't know what Jaime Jaquez Jr. is going to be like uh, after that ankle injury. If he's not 100%, you know, I'd give a little bit of an edge to, to Carolina, honestly. And I don't know what you thought about this, but I thought Carolina was done when when uh, Baylor took him to overtime. And the fact, the fact that they fought through that and won – uh, I thought spoke really highly of their athletic character uh, as a team. That, that was pretty impressive. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I said that while the game was going on, wrapping it up with Jay Billis. Jay, finally, I wanted to ask you, as a former player, you've been in this situation. I thought TCU had Arizona dead multiple times, and Jamie Dixon's a hell of a coach. And they were playing big on the inside. Arizona comes down the stretch. They miss three threes in a row. The smallest guy in the paint gets the rebound in an N1. I mean, the odds of that happening the way it did to save Arizona's run, how do you think they react after that big of a scare with the rest of the bracket to shake that off and really play like a dominant team? I I think it's what a lot of Final Four and championship teams do is they have a game or two like that in the tournament. And the truth that, I mean, if you think back, I mean, I can think back to when I was a, a grad assistant at Duke. I mean, you know, Duke almost lost several games that, that led to Final Fours and championships, including that Leitner shot against Kentucky. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, so, so you have teams. That, and think back just a couple of years ago when Virginia won it all. Look what Virginia had to do. Like, remember their game against Purdue when Purdue had that mm-hmm. thing won? And, and Virginia, they miss a free throw and they throw it length of the court. I mean, it, it's, it's almost impossible how Virginia reached the Final Four, let alone won the national championship. And then, you know, the semifinals, that, that thing against Auburn and all that stuff. Uh, you know, you, you, ha- you have to win uh, a game like Arizona, a, at, least, at least a game, maybe more than that, 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 that um, 
that Arizona won against TCU, and TCU played great. And I felt really bad. You know, always feel bad when a team plays like that and loses. Uh, you really you have empathy for them, but especially at the end of regulation when the official – like there were probably a 1,000 calls in that game that the officials didn't call that could have been called fouls, but at the end of the game when they didn't call that, that foul at the end, and, and honestly those officials got bailed out by the fact that Dale and Terry's uh, layup was after the the clock went out. Otherwise, that would have been a bad way to end the game. But mm-hmm. but give Arizona you give Arizona all the credit. But how we've seen a ton of champions that have had to win a game like that or maybe yes. two before they got there. Absolutely, Jay. Last one. On a personal note, can you tell us something that we might not have heard before? on your relationship with Coach K and with your law background and your family and your friendships and now those who you get a chance to mentor, the big impact that Coach K had on your personal life? Yeah, I'm not honestly, I'm not sure I could put it into adequately put it into words for you. And, and they're, they're, each one of us has a hundred different stories that we could tell. But, but the one thing I'm thinking about as, as this closes, whether it ends, in New Orleans or before that is, is a feeling of gratitude. And, uh, I'm, you know, I met coach K when I was 17 years old and I'm 58 now. And, and he's been a, a, a huge part of my life for all that time. And honestly, you know, I hope I wouldn't be, you know, kind of homeless or something without him, but I don't think I would, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in the same place without him. Like he, he, he greased the skids for me to go to law school uh, he got me into coaching, um, and and he he actually helped me get into broadcasting. That I don't think this would have happened without him. He knew I had an interest in it out of high school because I didn't know any better, and he introduced me to. Back then, you could use alums to help you recruit, and other schools did the same thing. But he he introduced me to a guy named Chuck Howard, who was a big time producer at ABC Sports, and I worked for ABC Sports during the summertime when I was in college. I did the Olympics and Monday night baseball, all these different things. And, but for that, I don't think I would have pursued it uh, as a career. And so there's a, there's a lot. I said this before his last game, you know, I feel like I owe him a debt that I can't repay ever. Uh, Hopefully I'll be able to pay it forward uh, in another way. But uh, my life would be totally different if I had chosen to play for somebody else. And hey, look, it may have been great, but it wouldn't have been the same. I know that. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for making time. A pleasure talking to you. We appreciate you coming on. No, thank you for having me. Really, my pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Jay Billis from ESPN. Wow. You know, very interesting what he said at the end. That just hit me pretty hard about if you have a mentor, can you believe what Coach K did to his life? I mean, he is at the top of his game, and he's a lawyer, and he talks about other things. He's a public speaker, a guest speaker. He speaks at private events all the time. And if you can never repay, I can never repay my mentor, Andrew Ashwood. So I wrote a book about him, The Handoff. That was my way of saying I could never repay you. I'm going to write a book about my experience with you, and I'll pay it forward. And that just really went through me, what Jay said, about you can never repay Coach K. I mean, if you're if you're alleged Bobby or Celtic fan, you can never re- re- repay Bill Russell or Red Arbach, right? You can't if you're Larry Bird. So you pay it forward and you do it for someone else. 
And the impact that Coach K has had on sports, from Army and Bobby Knight to the years at Duke, who would have thought when Coach K was a guy, point guard in Army, at Army for Bobby Knight, that he turned out to be much more successful than Bobby Knight? I mean, that's a guy who surpassed the ultimate goal in his life. And for Jay Billis, the way he framed that at the end, one of the things I like about interviewing people, when you can get them to tell you something like that, and it's all his response, not my question, he gives you everything. Thanks to Jay Billis for joining us as we sit here for March Madness, and we try to figure out who's going to win this. We get ready for Devontae Adams at the top of the hour. We'll cover his press conference live. Q comes at the top of the hour, and I'm sure he's going to get to that pretty quickly. But with the tournament, we have Arizona barely alive. Gonzaga, eh, they don't look great. Duke barely got by Michigan State. Barely got by. UCLA is playing North Carolina. I think North Carolina is playing better than UCLA. St. Pete's shouldn't beat Purdue, but if you got extra cash, throw it on St. Pete's. That team looks for real. They are legit. I think Houston can give Arizona a fight. I like Villanova big over Michigan. Kansas should get through Providence. And then Miami, Iowa State, T.J. Otzelberger left UNLV, took over a team with two bleeping wins as in, as in the Sweet 16. And I can't say what I want to say. Because I'm a, I, I know, Bobby, thank you. Because I'm a huge Kevin Kruger guy. And I'm all in on Kevin Kruger. All in. I love the guy. His dad's done so much for me. Coaches versus cancer, Lon Kruger. So I want him to do well. I think that Kevin Kruger could be a better coach than T.J. Otzelberger. But T.J. Otzelberger left UNLV, took over a team with two wins, is in a sweet 16. How does that happen in Vegas? Again, I, I drive down. My wife drove down the strip yesterday with her cousin. And it was billion-dollar, not million, billion-dollar casino after billion-dollar casino. And we have, like, a football team that can't win two games and a basketball team that's not even in the NIT. That will change. It will change, and I see that change coming. And another thing that better happen here pretty quickly is the Golden Knights better get in the playoffs. You want to talk about one of the biggest sports collapses I've ever seen if they don't make the playoffs. I hope they do. Because I'd hate to have to cover this team throughout the entire playoffs with them sitting at home. They're just too talented. Uh, phones are open for the last segment before Devontae Adams and Q Show comes up. 702-365-9200. Come on in and join us, Raider Nation. Unite. State, who won two games all of last season, has won two games in upset fashion in Milwaukee the next year, and the Cyclones are going to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2016. 54-49, the final score. Westwood won on the call. How is that, that the biggest story? Everybody says St. Pete's is, and it is, because no one heard of St. Pete's, but Iowa State... Won two games. Two games total, and they're in the Sweet 16. An incredible story. JT, back with you if you want to get through before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200, as we're brought to you by our great friends, and I mean fantastic friends, over at Resorts World. We're doing a lot at Resorts World heading into the draft. Uh, They've been with us, Doghouse Saloon. If you haven't been there yet and you're a local, I'm kind of surprised. 
Because if you're in town here and you live here, you got to be able to tell the story of Resorts World to other people that you're on the phone with around the country. It is brilliant. Scott Sabella's vision of sports and that unbelievable casino floor is special from the restaurants to the lounges. Head on out to Resorts World. So the best NFL free agents available, according to NFL.com, they had ranked number 1 to 101. Taron Armstead, the offensive tackle, is still the best free agent available. And I don't the market hasn't collapsed yet. He's a great leader. He should be he should have been off the board by now, 31 offensive tackle. Then they have the sixth ranked overall player being the honey badger, Teron Matthew. And he's a great safety. He's a ball hawk. He's got to be under consideration for the Raiders right now to steal him away from Kansas City and start him in Vegas if the price is right. The problem here with the Honey Badger is he can hold out. He doesn't have to play for a low price deal if the Raiders or anybody else wants to lowball him. Then the next available, listen to this, how these are Raider fits. At number 11, which is the third best player left, Odell Beckham Jr. at the age of 29. Now, he, is, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. I don't think he'd be a good fit in Vegas for a number of reasons. If they got him on a cheap deal, on a one-year deal opposite Devontae Adams, but it, that doesn't make sense. And then here we go, Stephon Gilmore. And the price could be just too high at this point, and they're waiting for it to come down. But no one knows him better than Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel. So I'm assuming they've talked to Stephon Gilmore. And if the price continues to drop, you might have no choice but I expect another team to come on in there. And then Dwayne Brown, an offensive tackle, would be a great fit for the Raiders, too. You can move him around. He's 37. And then finally, the big one, Bobby. Bobby Wagner, one of the greatest linebackers I've seen. I mean, I've seen. as Ray Lewis. There's a different level of guys. Bobby Wagner is in the conversation. He's an instant Hall of Famer. Now, the Raiders took on K.J. Wright, and he didn't play – he was a good leader, and he made some plays, but Bobby Wagner's a much better player. And Bobby Wagner's available at the age of 32. And if he had something left in the tank on a two-year deal and a little bit of money, man, how great would that pickup be? Uh, let's get out to Justin in Gilroy, California, home of the Gilroy Garlic Fries. Am I right? Yeah, yeah Garlic Fries. Go ahead, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I had a question. Uh, what are your thoughts on the... Uh the Raiders possibly being in on a OBJ. I just said, if you're on hold, you heard what I had to say. Uh, that's why I don't like question and answer radio. I, I don't believe they should be. They got Devontae Adams. They got Hunter Renfro. Why? I mean, if they got Odell Beckham Jr. coming off an ACL tear, who's been a distraction almost everywhere he's been, it worked out very nice. He played great in the Super Bowl. I loved when he played for the Giants. I mean, they could be if the if the market is falling apart. I don't want to cancel it out and say no because Josh McDaniels is an offensive mind, and I think he can go in a better direction by drafting a player for much cheaper. Opens up a phone line, 702-365-9200. I mean, the Raiders have been in the market for a lot of players, and they've, they've rebuilt this roster pretty quickly here with, I think, a lot of good players who can step up here and play at a higher level than the roster before. Uh, many Raider fans didn't think that was possible. If you looked at the end-of-the-season Raider roster that won 10 games, led by Ritz Passaccia and made the playoffs, and you looked at this roster on the first day of free agency, which was the Monday when the Raiders did nothing, and everybody was jumping off, going nuts, roster's better. 
Much better. I mean, not even close. This roster's unbelievable. Look at who they lost and they brought in. Just Chandler Jones alone, the re-signing of Mad Max Crosby, and the trade for Devontae Adams makes this a superior roster around the league. Now, the holes that are left, you got the draft, but you don't have high draft equity. You have free agency still and the ability to go out there and find players, undrafted free agents, where I really think these guys are going to be good at that. They're going to go out and get undrafted free agents and players in the offseason that come in and compete. But I think the Raiders have to get an offensive tackle, at least one. I think they, they brought in a couple of linebackers, but they seem to be depth linebackers. I think they'd like to get a really good, recognizable, big-name linebacker. I think they're good. I mean, they'd love another corner, but what are we doing around here? Can't anybody develop a corner? The, all the corners that were left here, Casey Hayward's gone, but Trayvon Mullen and the depth that they've had, can't one of these guys step up and play for Josh McDaniels and be legit? Apparently, that's a question mark. Because if they bring in Gilmore... And then Rocky Sin and Gilmore, forget about it. That is like a dream come true. Could the Raiders get an upgrade with Honey Badger at safety, keeping Trayvon Merrig and moving him around or for depth at that position? Yeah. But the Raiders are now loaded on offense. They're bleeping loaded. Last year they were loaded, and then guys got hurt. But this year in the offseason, the Raiders won the offseason. I mean, like spiked the, spiked the ball like Gronk. They won the offseason. But they need another receiver. And if Robinson comes in from Kansas City, that's a pretty good pickup. And that's really been the last bit of news is his visit today from Kansas City, as Adam Schefter reported that earlier. And if you look at that deal coming in and as they're looking at him, how do you let him out of the building? How do you let him out of a building? Adam Schefter, six hours ago, Chiefs free agent wideout Demarcus Robinson, meeting in Las Vegas per a source. So, you know, there's a lot of other insiders picking up on that. If that's the case and he's the guy, he's the other guy to replace Zay Jones, I like Zay. Jacksonville overpaid for him. I would take Demarcus Robinson over Zay Jones any day of the week. And Zay was a big impact guy for the Raiders last year on a playoff team. And you'd be taking another weapon away from Kansas City, which I always talk about, you know, trying to weaken Kansas City as you get stronger in Las Vegas. Reggie, good to hear from you in North Las Vegas. What's happening, Reg? JT, my friend. Man, I love hearing you, bro. I haven't been able to do it like I usually do, but I tune in every time I get a chance. When I got the chance, I just got that last piece about this thing, getting the new receiver and all of that. I'm so thinking about who, what happens. Last year was, to me, I, I labeled last year as next man up mm-hmm. from the, from the coach to the uh, lineman, everybody next man up this year. I'm going to call it each man up. Every man on this team has a chance to step up, represent better this year, every man. So if you got Adams as a receiver, you don't mean to tell me, that Brian Edwards can't step up and become better? You don't mean to tell me that Hunter Renfro can go out there and really blaze some guys now? Yes. Come on. And then if we got uh, – I'm going to mess his name up. Marcus Robinson. Got to run, my bet. Yeah, if we get him, Demarcus right. Robinson. I got to run, buddy. I'm out of time. You hear the music. 
I got to get in the car quickly and, and get home and watch this press conference and listen to Q and listen to the flagship here because Devontae Adams is about to meet the media 2 p.m. Pacific time. And it's all queued up, ready to go. Raider Nation, keep it here to the flagship. And Q, he'll have it for you. It's a big day. I'm calling it Devontae Adams Day. Give him the key to Henderson. Give him the key to my house in Summerlin. Give him the key to the city and let's celebrate a tremendous new addition and welcome him on the flagship.